Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to this, welcome to Mission Driven You, a podcast focused on mission-driven entrepreneurs and executives who want to do well and who also want to do good in the world. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, no doubt you have heard the term growth mindset, but maybe it feels mystical to you. Maybe you're having a hard time getting your hands around it. This episode is for you because I'm delighted to host my friend, Nora Zanto, who is a coach who formerly worked with athletes and continues to do some of that work, but also works with executives on helping them achieve growth mindset. Another really important thing for you to know about Nora is she's the author of The Celestina Code, which is in rare company. It's a leadership book for kids, which is listed in the same category as books by Stephen Covey and Dr. Seuss. This is a really rich, great podcast. I'm so delighted that you've tuned in today. So let's get started. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Mission Driven You podcast. I'm so delighted to have my friend Nora here today. Nora is part of a group that I hang out with at times. We saw each other last time in Dubai, and so I'm super excited to have her on here today. Just by way of introduction, Nora is a high-performance specialist who works with business leaders, professional athletes. She's helped hundreds of clients overcome subconscious blocks and limiting beliefs to reach their potential. So, Nora, welcome to Mission Driven You. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. So, people who listen to the podcast know that there's a question I always ask each, each guest. It's the, it's the only question that's, that we ask every time, which is, tell us the story of someone that made a difference for you. It could be a teacher, parent, mentor, somebody that when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, they were, that was really important, that person. It's actually a very, very interesting story, but I have to go a little bit back in, in time. What, I was in London and I attended a, a conference and it conference happened to be about like manifestation and uh, the subconscious. And there was this, uh, the, the presenter was on the stage and I don't know, hundreds of people, uh, us, we were in the audience. And I was watching this person and I told to myself that, I wish one day I could meet someone like him, but not like being on the pedestal and then the fans are just raving, but being introduced by friends and something just much more casual. And, you know, this was a manifestation workshop. Right. And two days right. later, we, we were at a new school. So we moved from Switzerland to London and uh, we went to a new school. And my son invited one of his new friends to come over to our place to hang out. I can't say a play date anymore, so I have to say to hang out. And this kid came with his dad. And I had no idea who, who the father was, who the family was, nothing. So the father said, okay, while the kids are just uh, around, I will be outside walking, making a few phone calls. I said, look, why don't you come upstairs? And then we have a coffee and, and we started talking and it was a fascinating conversation. He was really interested in my psychology studies and he wanted to know more and more. And at one stage I told him about the research that I want to do. And he said, yeah, maybe the company where I am could help you with this. I was like, yeah, okay. So he's an employee at the company. And we kept on talking and it turned out that he was the co-founder of one of the unicorn companies valued, I don't know, like $50 billion. Right. And 
that person has actually completely changed my life completely he was so nice and so generous and opened up so many doors for me that really my my life it was kind of a, a turning point in in my life so it was it was a really really cool cool experience i love that story and thanks for sharing it and it's so amazing what the universe has in store for us when we're just open and that isn't that the truth yeah. I love that. So we're going to start by talking about the book and you are in rare company. So uh, if people who are connected with me on LinkedIn saw your name a couple of weeks ago when the article came out, because your children's book was listed as one of the best leadership books for kids, along with Dr. Seuss and Stephen Covey and some like really incredible names. Let's start by just telling us the story of the book. Like, what's what's the idea behind the book? How did it come about? Things like that. Okay. I was doing my psychology master's research where I wanted to find out what makes extremely successful business leaders different from the average population. And I was very fortunate because I had the opportunity to interview CEOs, founders, and presidents of multi-billion dollar companies. And after a while, I started to see a common pattern, something that is connecting them. And so obviously I was very, very interested in, in the study and I found it fascinating. But what was even more interesting was the reaction of my own children who were nine and 11 at the time. And they were like, mama, mama, please share with us. Like, what is the secret of, of these people? And since they were very young, I've been telling them stories. They could barely speak. And in the evenings, I, I told them stories, which after a while backfired because I could never read them books because they, you know, when, when you create a story, it's more interactive. They could create the characters, etc. So I was thinking, what is the best way to share with them what I found about um, you know, growth mindset, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, etc., etc. Because you cannot tell a kid, like, you have to develop a growth mindset if you want to be successful. So it's like, uh-huh, I have to come up with a story, but it has to be a very, very special story. It should actually be a book, like an adventure book, an adventure book made for kids, where it's a, it actually, it is a treasure hunt where two schools are competing against each other in two parallel universes and where the fictional characters meet real life people who have achieved something extraordinary in their lives, despite the adversity that they have experienced. And they always teach something important, you know, share an important life lesson. So this was kind of kind of the story. And as I said, the, the best part is that the kids think that they read a fascinating adventure story, but they learn so much during the process, actually. I love that. And I love the genesis of it that, you know, because it's my experience, I learn something better when I have to teach it to others. So you have you know, figured out a way to take to distillize these great lessons you're learning from these successful executives and turn it into a kid's kid's story. What? Uh, tell us the name of the book. It's called The Celestina Code. The Celestina Code. And what's the origin of the name? Where did the name come from? <laughs> I had I was in a deep meditative state, and then the word like Celestina came to me. Celestina, like celestial, heavenly. Yeah. I wanted to add a, a bit of a spiritual name. 
And the code came from uh, the kids have to solve different codes in order at the end to find the treasure. So I love it. And what's been the reception? Well, let's just start with your kids. Did your kids like the book? Yes, they, they, they really, really liked it. My daughter, especially, like she would not go to bed. Like uh, we were reading it, uh, it together because it was part of our evening routine. And she said, Mama, please, please, just one more, one more, one more page and one more chapter, because I tried to make the chapters or end the chapters with the cliffhangers. And uh, right. there was there was another really interesting experience in, in the process that I really tried to involve them right from the beginning. So when we were selecting the guides or pe- people, the, the real people in the book, I asked the kids, whom would you like to have featured? And for example, back then, my son was absolutely fascinated with Rubik's cubes, you know, speed cubing, these kids who can solve the cube in like, I don't know, five seconds. So I reached out to the most famous speed cuber in the world, Felix Zamdags, and he said, yes. We were like, wow, my, my, my kids couldn't believe it. So, but they actually were part of the interview, interview process. So it was really, really nice. It was much more than just them reading the book. They were part right from the beginning and also creating all these, like the, the storyline. They were involved in the, in the storyline. I love that. I love that. You know, my kids are a little older and I would love to think that they think everything I do is cool, but I'm glad to know that they were a part of it and they actually enjoyed doing the work with you. That's so great. That's fun. I want to go to executives because I know you do work with executives and that was sort of the basis of your research. But let's just talk about kids. Like, you're right. Concepts like growth mindset and, you know, seeing the possibilities. Those are things that either we gain by learning from our environments or we don't. What's the best way to really train kids and to train younger people to have a growth mindset? Because the reality is we live in a really, in a world that's not focused on growth. It's always fo- it's often focused on limits. How do you teach kids a growth mindset? I think it's very important that whatever we do with the kids, we make it fun. We make it yeah. fun. We make it interactive. They are part of it. So it's not this old school style when the teacher gives the lecture and the kids are quiet and they, they have to take notes. So when I, sometimes I do, for example, workshops for them, and then they have to work in teams and there are different exercises. I always call them mini challenges. And I happen to do growth mindset workshops, for example, and growth mindset, it has different areas. One of them would be, for example, effort, because people with a growth mindset look at making effort as something really important. People with a fixed mindset would be like, oh, no, 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 I, I cannot show that I'm making an effort because then it shows that I am weak, I am not talented. So we have an exercise that is focusing on uh, making an effort. We have another one which is focusing on working in a, in a team and how we can support each other. A third exercise could be uh, receiving feedback, which is some, sometimes negative, and how to deal with negative feedback or criticism. Same, obstacles. You know, we do like an obstacle course. And, uh, and then how, how you deal with obstacles and challenges in your life. So I try to make it as playful as possible because I think that's the only way for them actually to experience it. But of course, 
a few hour long workshop won't really make the difference. So they, it has to be uh, repeated. Actually, one thing that I did with the Celestina code is it's not only a book, but it also has workbooks and Although it's called workbook, but actually it's a conversation starter between parents and children. And there they talk about different things. So related to growth mindset, emotional intelligence, leadership. And I did also with an expert diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's super playful. It's just a conversation. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that. And yeah, that's so powerful. Now, are you able to do the same work with your corporate clients or with, with companies, with adults? Do you, do you do the same kind of exercises? Yes, it, it's maybe a little bit less playful, but still right. it's, it's uh, I, from the feedback I have, it is, uh, it is fun for them. For example, I recently delivered a workshop which was called Leading with a Growth Mindset. And it was for one of the big multinational companies' uh, leadership team. And they were about, I don't know, 30 or 40 people. And like a warm-up exercise is, for example, is to share a story where you left your comfort zone. And it's so nice when, because people open up, they become vulnerable. Often in the corporate world, people just don't share these experiences. And then you realize that, wow, look at the people I'm, I'm surrounded with. So, yes, you, you can do it absolutely very nicely also in a corporate environment. I love that. And so much of this came out of your research that you trained in. So can you tell us a little bit more about your research? Like, what did you find in, in your key research in interviewing these executives and CEOs? And what can, what can our uh, audience learn from that? Okay. The first thing that I found which is actually not a surprise because I work as a trauma specialist, but you do not have to have this experience to know that we all face traumas in our life. In, in psychology, we, some of them we call the small T trauma, where it's uh, less of an importance, or the big T traumas, which are really, really harsh. For example, death, uh, death in the family. What I have seen with these people is that they have all faced different levels of trauma and adversity, but instead of looking at it as a major obstacle, they saw it as an opportunity to, to learn and opportunity to grow. So instead of having the victim mindset, they all had the winner mindset. And that was the first thing. The second thing that I found is how high their self-awareness was. They knew exactly their strengths and also their weaknesses. And because of that, so first of all, they, they were open to get feedback in order to confirm whether it's true what they think about themselves. The second thing is that because of that, they were able to surround themselves by the right people who were complementing them, so who had complementary skills. And all of them emphasized, without an exception, the role the team played around them. They always said that without having a team, they would have never been able to achieve what they have achieved. The last thing was, so that there were uh, two more things. So uh, first thing was, is that they were all extremely humble. But really, for me, when I speak to them and I, I see their, uh, hear about their achievements and see where they are in life, 
I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But when I ask them what they are most proud of, they're like, well, I don't know, mm-hmm. my family, my kids, or, oh, I just happen to be at the right place at, at the right time. So that, that was very, very nice to see. And the last point was about goal setting, because I'm so big on goal setting. They do not have outcome goals, but they focus on the process itself. So yes, they have some vague outcome goals, but they put it kind of out there and then they forget about it. It's just kind of guiding them, but actually it's more the process that is helping them to become the person who they want to be. And if you add up all these different points, then according to Carol Dweck, who is a real expert in the field, it's, it confirms that they all possess a growth mindset. I love that. And thank you. That was, that was like a little mini course on growth mindsets. So thank you for that. I appreciate, too, what you talked about in terms of how they see their trauma. It reminds me, um, I'm sure you know of the work of Viktor Frankl, yes. um, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. And he said, one of the ways we find meaning is we have a redemptive perspective on our suffering and I, I love the way you brought that into the, the concept of growth mindset. So that's really helpful. Why were you interested? Because I, I know you had sort of a career change to move into psychology. Like what, what caused you to be interested in asking these kinds of questions? Since I was very young, I was very interested in high performance. I, I, I was always fascinated by successful people, both in the world of sports and also in, in business. And I was thinking that they, they must have something. They must know something that most people are not aware of. And, uh, I think that, that was kind of what, what triggered it. That was the great thing about uh, my psychology masters that the studies itself, they were just so hard and I had to learn so many things I wasn't interested in, but for the research, I could research any topic that I wanted. Yeah. I love that. And how do you use your research to help people? Because you are a performance coach. I want to talk a little bit about the sports mindset, too, because I think that's an interesting part of your of the story as well and what you bring to the table. But how do you use that growth mindset? Let's imagine that <clears throat> out there listening is a corporate CEO or somebody who wants to be a corporate CEO. What kinds of things would you be advising and guiding them toward to learn from growth mindset and learn from your research so that they can continue to grow in their own lives and in their own companies, whatever it is they put their hands to. First of all, I think it's really interesting to read the research itself because the type of the research, you read a lot about the stories of the individuals whom I, I interviewed. But I work with people in a very special way. So... The growth mindset is not, it wouldn't be like the first or the second step that I am actually teaching. The very first thing I do is I go very deep with them uh, because I work a lot with the subconscious and there actually check where they are in life and what is preventing them from really reaching their full potential. And they might think that they have a growth mindset but when we have the session, it turns out, oh, oh, not at all. So there's a difference between the conscious way of thinking and the subconscious. But as you know, it, the subconscious is 95% responsible of our, for our thoughts, our actions, our beliefs, our emotions. 
So it's impossible for the conscious mind to win. So that's always the first thing. And then step by step, and as, as I talked about it also within the growth mindset, there are so many different areas. And, and maybe the person is okay with taking risks and pushing um, their comfort zone, but would not to want, uh, would not be open to hear feedback or criticism because they had a traumatic experience about that in the past. So then we work on that. We, we try to reprogram it, look at it in a different way. And the good thing for the subconscious is that it's pretty easy to reprogram if you have the right uh, technique. So if you have the right technique, I want to pause there though and kind of drill down on that a little bit because I know even for myself, so I was sharing with you before we hopped on that I just got done with some traveling. I woke up this morning and my <laughs> there were all kinds of subconscious things going on, like stay in bed. You don't need to do that. You don't need to get up yet. All these kinds of these stories that were happening, you know, my subconscious was sort of shouting into my conscious, like, no, hit the snooze alarm again and all that. How do you help people actually begin to access that part of their subconscious that's that's blocking them, that's standing in their way. Like, what are some things people could do apart from working with you, which we'll put your information in the in the show notes, but apart from working from, with you, how could people actually begin to access that part, those parts of their subconscious that are in their way? There is actually a very, very simple way that you could do very easily. One of the easiest way to communicate with the subconscious is through your emotions. So if you are noticing any negative emotions about a certain subject, situation, a person, then you know that there, there is a, some kind of a subconscious block. And then you have to just think a little bit about it. Okay, what, what is it and what could be the reason? And then you can start working with affirmations. And the best time, because so first you identify the problem. And then you try to rectify it by saying the affirmation that would go or that would support it. And the best time to say these affirmations is before going to bed, when you're just about to fall asleep, because then it goes deeper and deeper. Admittedly, it's a, it's a longer, longer term process. There is a really simple technique. You don't have to work with me. You can find loads of information about it online. And that's something that I, I discovered when I had anxiety issues. And it's called EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, also known as tapping. And that's a very, very powerful tool. And you can just put it on Google search, EFT for anger or EFT for improving relationships. And then you just watch a video and then it will really do the work much faster than, for example, if you only use the affirmations. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate you bringing that up because, yeah, EFT has been an important part of my personal journey and my recovery from trauma. And it is. It's fascinating. You would never think sort of tapping on the karate chop part of your hand or something like that would actually tap into some deeper part of your brain. And yet I can personally attest to the incredible power of that. I want to talk about executives and professional athletes because i know you work with you have worked with both like what commonalities do you see you know we've seen some at least here in the united states there's a couple uh, lebron james is an example of somebody who's been a professional athlete and then a really killer you know corporate person as well i mean he's become a corporate titan shaquille o'neal is the same way i'm just curious like what commonalities do you see between athletes and and executives good executives 
Yeah, it's just, there's so much uh, common. At the end of the day, I honestly I see very, very little difference because they have this special personality, which, by the way, can be can be actually developed. That they are these people who fight. They never give up. Like they are the most resilient people. And I'm talking about very high level pro athletes. Another thing which I really appreciate is that they are very coachable. I don't know whether you've experienced this in the past that like middle level people are not very coachable because they think they know everything. But when you reach the top, they are the ones who are most open because they know that it takes more than just what they already know to get further and further. And that's why now I am, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position that I can really select my clients and I only work with people who have a pro mindset. It can be a 14 year old kid, right? It, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be LeBron James or Steph Curry or yeah, these is absolutely top, top athletes, but it's, it's about the mindset and that they are willing to go all the way for for their success but for me really being coachable is one of the most important parts and then there are other other characteristics that i could talk about i'm also a huge fan of the work of angela duckworth who wrote yeah. the book uh, great great yeah. and she says that uh, the most successful people in the world have so what uh, kind of connects them is that they all have grit And she says that grit is the combination of passion and perseverance. So with a professional athlete, you see that they are absolutely passionate about the sport that they do and they they persevere and they go in 100%. But in an ideal situation, the same goes for the corporate leader who is very passionate about the company, very passionate about the products or services that they sell and combined with the perseverance. I love that. And, and coachable ties in with humility, which you talked about before as one of the key characteristics that you saw in executives with the growth mindset. They, they're humble because they're coachable or they're coachable because they're humble, right? I mean, those two yeah. go together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so great. Tell us about your story because I know some, you know, there's a component to all this work that ties into your story as well. Like, who are you and, and, and how did, you know, how did you come to the work that you do? Yeah. I was born in Hungary. I was born during the communism and I had a very, very nice childhood, but I had one major trauma in my life that was there, unfortunately, the whole time when I was growing up, that when I was a week old, my father had a stroke and he almost died. He went into a coma and Imagine for a newborn baby, right? You're like, ah, here I am and here I'm new to this world. And suddenly your parents disappear because um, like my mom was never able to spend time with me. I was with my grandmother, with my aunt. So I'm, I'm sure that the developing the anxiety actually started there. But then things got better. But when I was eight years old, my father had a second stroke and a year later, a third one. So I really grew up fearing that I could lose him anytime at any moment, right? Just unexpectedly. And but things got things got better. But when my children were born, all this trauma started to resurface and it, it got really bad. So I started having anxiety attacks 
And that was the moment when somebody showed me about uh, EFT. And uh, I remember I tried it and I felt like I was in a safe bubble. It was just such a beautiful feeling. So first I, I used it for myself. And a week later, my son, I think he was like six at a time, he had one of these crazy tantrums just out of the out of the blue. I don't even know like what the cause was. And I was like, mm, I did this tapping thingy. Let's see. I don't remember the sports, but let's just like, you know, I was trying to touch him. Right. And it, it calmed right. him down. So I was like, okay, that, that's cool. But I didn't, still didn't think too much about it. But two weeks later, right. he had a football, a football game. And there he saw a kid with half an arm missing. And my son had a really bad panic attack, which he has never had, never had before. And he loved football so much. He just always wanted to play. But in that moment, he just started screaming and came to me and asked me just let's go home. I can't stay here anymore. And then I took him to the side of the pitch and I asked him, would it be okay for you if we, you remember this thing we did, the tapping, mama, yeah, please, please, let's try. So we tried it. And after five minutes, he started like just breathing properly. His little body wasn't tense anymore. And he stood up and said, mama, I'm ready to play. He went to play and he had a great time. And then I felt that I like I had a magic wand in my hand. And until then, I had a very different career because I was working in sports. So I was a basketball player. And from when I stopped playing, then I, I worked in the, like on the Federation side. And we organized World Cups and Olympic Games. It was, it was really like a fantastic experience. But there was also something that made me realize that I'm meant to do something more than just signing sponsorship or media rights agreements. And from one day to another, I quit my job and I went much deeper into becoming a therapist. So this is how it started. And then I did my my psychology degree. I love that. And Going back to Viktor Frankl, uh, that is a that is creating a redemptive perspective on your suffering. It's making your suffering of use and of purpose to the world. I love that story. Let me ask a question a little bit different because I've worked with individuals as well where they're very high performers and you can look back on their story and they had a parent like you. They had somebody who kind of, you know, they built that growth mindset into them from from the time they were child a child. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions on people who maybe you're coming to growth a little bit later, they're coming to performance a little bit later, maybe they're in their 30s or their 40s and they just kind of feel stuck. They didn't necessarily, they didn't have a, you know, they didn't get read the Celestina code as a kid. How can adults begin to develop that growth mindset if it's not something that they were given to begin with? In my opinion, the very first question is to find out why they want to change. Why do they want to have a growth mindset? Because that is really, really important to have this intrinsic motivation. If you want to have a growth mindset because you heard it about it on TV or on, I don't know, Facebook, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. So the very first thing is really do a self-check-in and understand why do you think change is needed? Why do you think having a growth mindset is important? Then for me, the second step would be really to read Carol Dweck's book, because it's very, very interesting. Lots of real life examples 
So it gives you a very good foundation. And the third step is take action. We always, always have to take action and just one step at a time. It doesn't have to be huge, but yeah, maybe you know, push a little bit your comfort zone. Are you, fear of, uh, are you afraid of public speaking? Join maybe a public speaking club or you, you, you will be able to find, or if you don't like to hear feedback from people, then ask. It's not, it's not very comfortable, right? But start asking around what people think of you. So there are lots of, lots of things that you can, you can actually do, but don't think that you need to develop a growth mindset or you can develop a growth mindset from one day to another. It's really, it is a process. Yeah. And isn't that a big part of it? It's, it's changing the way we see. It's not like we can go get a growth mindset lottery ticket and one day we don't have one and the next day we have the growth mindset, right? It's, it's, there's work involved. Absolutely. And even people who have the growth mindset, there are areas when they don't. So it's never just black, black or white. Even the professional athletes I'm, I'm working with and, and they are very good, but there are days and like, no, I'm, I'm not good enough and I can't do it. And so it's, it's very, very normal, but you have to keep on, on pushing and, uh, and just have this awareness and understand where these emotions come from. But yeah, absolutely. As you say, it's, it's not that, okay, now I have it and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Committing to doing the work. I love yeah. that. Well, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much. I'm, I said there was only one question we asked, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a second question at you. So I want you to imagine that your message of, of healing from trauma, building a growth mindset, that that sort of took over the world. Like imagine 15 to 20 years from now, all the, all the beautiful things we talked about here on this podcast became much more of a reality in the world. What do you think would change in the world? Everything. Everything. Because people would be at peace much more. First of all, they would be at peace with themselves. I think a lot of problems in this world come from not feeling good enough, not having the self-validation. And we are looking at it or looking for it from external sources. And then we are not getting it and that it causes frustration and then it causes conflict around us. So definitely that would, that would make a, a huge difference in our lives. And also I am a huge fan of energy. Like I work a lot with energy and I, I believe that having a good energy attracts good energy everywhere around you. Right. And imagine if all these people having these good vibrations, the, the good energy, this world would just not be the same as it is today. I love that answer. And I love that vision for the world. Nora Zanto, thank you for being here. This was so great. I'm so excited to share you with the audience. We will put a link to the Celestina code in the show notes and also for how you can connect with Nora. Is it best for them to connect with you through LinkedIn? What's the, what's the best way? To I think, yes, LinkedIn is, is the best. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you, Nora. This was so wonderful. And I look forward to sharing you with the audience. Thank you. And thank you once again, Will, for this wonderful opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you.